Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. What's the most famous chapter in the Bible? It's hard to argue against Psalm 23. It's only six verses long, but it's been quoted, prayed, memorized, and sung all over the world, 2,500 years after it was written by King David. We're staying in it for four weeks, looking at the places God meets us, the green pastures, the right paths, the dark valleys, and the dinner tables. To find out more about our church, to attend a service, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com. Well, good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and you could have been anywhere on the planet this morning, and you chose to be here, and so I'm thankful. Uh, Thanks for singing with us. Uh, I'm so thankful every time that we get to sing alongside these amazing, talented people that are up here. Uh, Can we give them a round of applause just for leading us today? It's not about them. They're probably mad, but I feel like it was appropriate. They just sound so good, right? They just sound good. They're on key. Uh, This morning, I was out uh, helping set up the speaker uh, right out there in the hallway, and uh, there was something wrong with it, so we were messing with the wires, and and they were singing that song, Great Are You, Lord, and Iken, the guy that was standing here in the front, he was singing it. And uh, Mike, who's back there and who's vocally trained, we were kind of working on this speaker together. <laughs> and I just, I just tried to hit that harmony falsetto for a second, you know? Like, I, I was trying to hit it, and Mike thought that it was Erica through the speaker. And I heard him out loud say, you got to find it, Erica. <laughs> and he looked at me. He's like, was that you? I was like, yeah, that was me. Oh, man, I love, I love getting to sing with these people. They're so, so great. Uh, hey, we're, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 23 for a minute, and this was not the plan. We have a spiritual direction team here at Three Creeks, a team of four or five of us. We get together from time to time, and we just pray and ask God, you know, what, do, what does our church need to hear the most? What, what is the next series we're going to do? What book of the Bible are we going to do? And this was not the plan. We had another plan, and... I think all together, all of us felt like it wasn't, that, that, that series wasn't bad, but we all kind of came to this point where we're like, are we sure that that's what we want to do in November? And we all felt like it wasn't. We all felt like there was something else. And so we started thinking more and praying more and talking more. And our team got to a point where we unanimously all agreed. We all voted kind of independently that Psalm 23 was where we needed to be. And so we've called an audible And for that reason, my anticipation levels are even higher than they usually are, because I feel like uh, this wasn't our plan. I really think this one was God's. And so if you're in here today, I don't think that's a coincidence. And the fact that we're going through Psalm 23, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I'm very eager to see what God will say through his word to us over the next four weeks. We don't usually do this, but I feel like it would be appropriate today. Uh, and so if you'll just do this with me, would you stand where you are? We're actually going to read six verses of Psalm 23 together out loud. I don't know if we've ever done this before, but I thought it would be kind of cool to try it out as a church family today. So Psalm 23 is a Psalm of David. It's six verses long and just read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can be seated. I think that is the most famous chapter in the Bible. I think of every chapter in the Bible, I think that's the one that you've heard recited the most, whether it be at a funeral or if you listened to Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. He makes reference as he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. You've heard this psalm. It kind of permeates culture. It's the, it's the first passage of scripture that I ever memorized as a kid. This was it. I think I was in first grade when I uh, was invited to memorize Psalm 23. It's so simple that a kid can memorize it, yet it's so deep that a theologian can drown in it. And for us, for four weeks, we're just going to sit in it. We're just going to spend four straight weeks on six verses in the Bible. So if you've ever thought I went too fast, well, here you go. Six verses over four weeks. We're just going to sit there. You know that feeling you get like twice a year when you sit down and you realize like you have nothing to do? Like no one's counting on you. You can stay up as late as you want. You can eat whatever you want. You can sleep in until whenever you want. Like nobody even cares where you are. For me, it happens once or twice a year. But that feeling where you're just totally relaxed, you sit in your couch like, oh my goodness, this is what this used to feel like when I was in college or something. Where you just sit back and like, wow, nobody needs me. I can just relax for a minute. I want you to try to experience that feeling for the next four weeks in Psalm 23 at Three Creeks, where this thought goes through your mind that we have nowhere else to be that we're not going to rush through this, that we're going to stop long enough and be quiet long enough that if God was trying to say something to us that we actually could hear him. Well, everything else is going really, really, really fast. We're going to go really, really, really slow through six verses of the Bible. And we're going to say, God, what do you want to say? And we're actually going to give him some room to do so. At the end of the messages in this series, we're going to give you a couple questions that you can think about. The band's going to come play a song, but it's not going to be so much a, a worship song that you sing along. It's going to be a, a, a song of reflection, one that you can maybe read the lyrics and think about as you, as you reflect. We want to give you some space to breathe a little bit and not feel like we've got to rush on to the next thing. Uh, this psalm was written by David probably later in his life, probably when he was the king. And David talks about four places that God leads him to in Psalm 23. He talks in verses 1 and 2 about this, this place that David calls the green pasture, next to the quiet waters. The green pasture is the first place. And then in verse 3, he talks about the right paths, that God leads me to the right paths. And in verse 4, he talks about the valley of the shadow of death, or the dark valley. And then in verses 5 and 6, he talks about a dinner table, that God prepares dinner in the presence 
of enemies. And so week one, week two, week three, week four, we're going to talk about the green pastures, the right paths, the dark valleys, and the dinner table, and just say, God, what are you trying to say to us through this? So today is week one. We're in the green pastures. It's just two verses that we're going to go through today. Uh, In my job, I get to talk to a lot of people, and I get to ask them just the simple question, you know, how are you? But it's not usually a passing, how are you? Good. In what I get to do, I actually get to say, like, no, no, like, how are you? How is your soul? How are you really actually doing? How's your marriage? How's your life? Are you content? Are you frustrated? What's going on in your life? And I just got to be honest, I mean, I have these conversations often. Rarely recently have I heard someone describe their life, I just feel like it's a green pasture right now. I feel great. That is not the most common answer. I get it from time to time, but I think the combination of just, well, a lot of things. Recently, I'm just not getting a whole lot of green pasture answers. I'm hearing answers that are more like, I'm discouraged. I hear, this has just been a weird season. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm frustrated. I'm weary. I'm worn out. I feel like I'm running on fumes. This was one I hear, I've heard it a lot. I'm not sure how long I can keep this pace. I'm not sure how long I can keep going how I'm going. Feels like I'm running out of gas. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overcommitted, I'm overtired, and I'm over it. I'm just over it. We had somebody in our community group just share a couple weeks ago that they're just, they're just over it. And she just starts listing off things in their life, in her life, that she just goes, I'm just over it. I'm so tired, I can't keep going like this. And if that would have been your answer, somebody just needs to tell you, you're not alone. And you're not even in the minority. You're in the majority. And I'm with you. I'm with you in the majority right now. Because I too feel a lot of those things. And have felt recently a lot of those things. And that's why I know that God led us to Psalm 23 for four weeks. Because our church needs to be reminded of the place that God wants to take us. We're not going to rush on to the next thing because we've got nowhere else to be. And and I'm going to trust that this is going to breathe some life into our souls. Just two verses today. This is what King David wrote. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Let's just take a look at that, just one little phrase at a time. The first thing he says is, the Lord is my shepherd. David, like many other writers of the Bible, refers to God as a shepherd and therefore to us as sheep. In fact, over 200 times in the Bible, we are referred to as sheep. It is not because we're cute and cuddly. It's because we're dumb. And, and it is accurate. Uh, as much as I would love to be referred to as a Sasquatch, uh, I am referred to as a sheep. And I was thinking about it. It's like, that is painfully accurate. 
because when I reflect on how dumb I am, I have a long list of mistakes that I've made. Like in junior high, the number of times I bleached my hair. I pierced my cartilage to look cool. I'm a sheep. I, sometimes I introduce myself to people. They tell me their name. And within three seconds, I forgot it. Anybody else? It's like, remind me your name again. I, you said it, but now I forget. I'm a sheep. I'm, I've been exposed. It's spot on, and not just in the funny ways, but in, in the serious ways, in, in the mistakes that I've made. My life proves that I'm a sheep. And, and some things about sheep. Number one, sheep need shepherds to survive because shepherds care for, guide, provide for. They lead sheep to green pastures and quiet waters. A sheep doesn't always know what's best. And so it needs to rely on a shepherd to help them. And so when David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. In other words, David's saying, I'm a sheep. And if you think about that, David at the time is the king. He's at the top. No one thinks that he's a dumb sheep. They're they're thinking, David, you're a lion. Go praise yourself. And he goes, no, I know myself well enough to know I'm a sheep. And the Lord is my shepherd. David, even though he's the king and everybody looks to him to make decisions and to know what's best, David goes, I don't know what's best. The Lord is my shepherd. He knows what's best. And he writes, I lack nothing. This is both a decision that David makes and also a declaration that David makes. When David says, I lack nothing, David is declaring, I lack nothing. I, 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 God has provided everything that I need. But he's also making a decision and saying that everything that God has provided for me, I'm choosing that that is all that I need. It's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a distinction there. It's a difference between David believing that he's got everything he needs, but also choosing to not want everything that everybody else wants and not need everything that everybody else needs. David's going, I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. It is very difficult, perhaps impossible. I think you'll agree with me. To experience the green pastures and the quiet waters when we believe that we lack something. When we feel like there's something missing in our lives, rest and peace are not the natural reaction to that. I would say that stress and hurry comes naturally to people who think that they lack something, that there's a piece missing in their life. And so you might just ask yourself the question, what do I feel more? Do I feel more rest and peace? Or do I feel more stress and hurry? Perhaps it's because you believe that you lack something. And then the follow-up question would be, well, what is it? Do you, and, and do you really think that you need that to experience rest and peace? Because David goes on and he says, this is what the shepherd does. The shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. You know, like, in, in a movie where you see this character and he's in the desert, right? And his, his, uh, he's sweaty and his clothes are all raggedy and he's thirsty and he's tired. And it looks like the vultures are circling, right? Like it looks like this is going to be the end. 
And the character in the movie looks up and and, and over all the sand and all of a sudden in the distance, he sees this oasis, right? There's palm trees, there's a lake there, there's a waterfall and fruit and everything that this guy needs, water, food, everything, shelter, it's right there. And so you see the character in the movie, you you know, you've seen some movies, so you know, I don't know if that's going to be real. But you see the character in the movie start just running towards this oasis. And when they finally get to where they wanted to be, they realize it was a mirage. It was an optical illusion. The person went exactly where he thought the source of life was, but he didn't feel any different. He was still tired and thirsty, and the vultures are still circling. I think that perhaps we do that sometimes. I I think that perhaps we are guilty of doing that exact thing in this life, where we chase things that we think will give us life, and we get them, and then they don't. Where we're chasing mirages rather than sources of life, like like our brains or our culture has tricked us into believing, yes, that is going to be what I need. That is going to make me happy. That is going to quench my thirst. And we get there, and we, we, we don't feel any different. And I, I would say, I mean, I'm very guilty of this. And I think you could probably fill in the blank of something that you wanted, something that was some sort of finish line for you, and you got to that finish line and realized, Man, now I see another finish line. I got to keep going. Here are some of the mirages that I've chased and perhaps you've chased too. As soon as I get that promotion, as soon as I pass that test, I'm going to be fine. As soon as I make that sale, if if I can just make that one sale, then it's going to be smooth sailing from there. We're going to be good to go. If I could just get a new job, here, here's, a, here's a popular one. If I could just be married. If I could just be married, then I could experience rest and peace. That's all I want. I just want to be married. I just want to have kids. If we could just have kids, then I'll be happy. As soon as, if I could just, if I could just lose a little bit of weight... Then I'll just, I'll just be more happy with myself. More people will, will accept me and think highly of me. Then I'll be happier if I could just do that. If we could just get a house. We've put 28 offers on houses. If, I, if we could just get a house, then we'll be able to settle down. We'll be able to experience rest and peace. And then you get the house, and then you go, as soon as we're not remodeling the house, as soon as the bathroom's done, as soon as we can redo the kitchen, whatever, fill in the blank. Is it a mirage? Is it an optical illusion? Do you actually think that that works that way? Because those are good things, and they are meant for us to enjoy, but they're not meant for us to put our hope in. They're not meant to be the source of rest and peace because only God can do that part of it. So don't hear me say that anything, any of those things are bad. But I think if you put your hope in them, I think you're going to be very disappointed when you get them. Because rest and peace only come from God. To keep the metaphor going, 
of the person who chases the mirage in the desert and ends up exactly where he thought the pond was and he just reaches down and it's just sand in his hands. That, that, that is, you know, kind of putting myself in that. That's me. It's like, it's like man, I, I got the home. I got the job. I got the family. How come I don't feel rest or peace? How come life doesn't feel like a green pasture? How come I'm still stressed out all the time? What now? Where do I look? Is there an oasis? And how far do I got to go to try to find it? Or is this just a desert? Is it hopeless? Well, if you want to find the green pastures that's mentioned in verse 2, you got to look back at verse 1 again. Remember what David wrote. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I need you to hear me say this. We will not experience green pastures until the Lord is not, is not just our Savior, but He's also our shepherd. Let me say it again. We will not experience green pastures, the green pasture life, the quiet waters life. We're not going to get to experience that until the Lord is not just our Savior, but He's also our shepherd. In other words, He actually leads us to do things that are not natural, to do things that are not easy. The, the shepherd, we actually follow the shepherd. And we follow him to the point of doing things that we would not do if we weren't following the shepherd. We, we, let, we let the shepherd actually lead us to change. I know that sounds crazy because nobody here likes change. We all love progress, but we don't love change. But oftentimes, to, to progress, to follow, you got to change. And so we're not going to experience the green pasture life until the Lord is more than our Savior, and he's also our shepherd. And this has to go over every area of our lives. We can't pick and choose the ones that we're okay with him speaking into. We can't read the Bible and say, man, I love this part, but I don't love that part. That's not the map to the green pasture life. In our work, in our relationships, with our money, with our time, with how much we confess sin, with how much time we spend with God, with how much we rest, in every area of our lives, we have to let God actually dictate what we do. It's not going to come natural. That's you know, we were born with what's called a sin nature, meaning that what is natural to us is not to do this. And so I realize I'm, I'm, I'm talking about doing some uncomfortable things, but, but if you think about it, this has been true in my life, and I think you'll agree with this, that the areas of our life that cause us the most stress or the most frustration or the most anxiety or the most tension Usually, those are areas of our lives that we have not completely given over to God and let him lead us. And so, to slow down, and I'll let you fill in the blank. What stresses me out the most is... I don't know what it is for you. What causes me the most anxiety is...
chances are that's not an area that you have completely asked God to be your shepherd. Let me give you a couple examples. And, and, and these are personal, so I'm not calling anybody else out other than myself. If you fill in the blank right there with, with money or finances, that's what a lot of people say, that that's a, a really big stressor. If you go, man, that, just, that area stresses you out, it's always going to stress you out until you would let the Lord be your shepherd and you would let him lead you to handle money exactly like the Bible says to handle it. Or, or if, um, if you go, man, my marriage, that is a point of tension for me. That is a point of anxiety for me. It's probably because both people are fighting for themselves rather than the other person. And selfishness kills peace and selflessness creates it. And so I would say, you know, if your marriage, if you go, that's just a point of anxiety for us, then I, would, I think it's always going to be a point of anxiety until you would look at this and go, I, I want to be like Christ here and, and I'm going to lay my life down for my spouse. I'm going to let God change me. I'm not going to go into arguments saying, this is what I think. I'm going to go in going, what do you think? And until you do that, I think it's always going to be a point of stress. If you are, you know, this one, make sure I get it right. Yeah. This is like decades long, a decades long thing. If, if, if you fill in the blank with what you would maybe call your unworthiness or maybe some insecurity. And maybe you can even point to a moment, the mistakes that you've made. And so you just kind of feel guilty or anxious about this area of sin that has been in your life, a secret that you might have. You're just always going to feel that way until you let the Lord lead you and be your shepherd and you obey him to the point of confessing that sin to God and to other people. The list goes on and on. I, I, could, I could fill in, I could talk about all the blanks. Whatever you filled in the blank. I just think you're always going to feel that way unless you, unless you go to this and you go, God, I don't just need you to be my savior. I need you to be my shepherd and guide me out of this. I need a new way to live because the way that I'm living isn't working. I need a new way to live. We won't experience the green pastures until the Lord is not just our Savior, but He's also our shepherd. You know, when you, when you, you know, go Savior, shepherd, I'll, I'll say, you know, to, to, to have God be your Savior, that's a free gift. And it does require some humility to receive that. It does require you to be like, yep, sheep, me too. You know, it, it does require that moment. And that moment can be hard for people. But I think most people come around to the fact that like they are perfect and they've screwed up and they need someone to save them from their sins. Most people get to that point at some point. And salvation is a, it's really a one-time moment. It's this justifying justification moment where you go, I need God to be my savior. I need Jesus to be my savior. And that's a free gift where in an instant, 
your sins are forgiven. You're brought into the family of God. And that is a, that is a really important moment in the life of any human that's ever walked the earth. But shepherd, if you wanted to be more than just your savior and you wanted to be your shepherd, we're talking about this process called sanctification. I know that's a big word. But sanctification, this process of becoming more and more like Jesus over the course of your life, as, uh, to let God be your shepherd is very, very difficult to do because it requires you to do uncomfortable, unnatural things that you would not do if God did not tell you to do it. And on top of the fact that it's unnatural, none of us like being told what to do, right? I mean, I go to Jersey Mike's and they say, do you want it Mike's way? And I say, no, I want it my way. Just no onions. Everything else Mike's way. But I want, it to sh- I want the record to show this is my way. Don't tell me what to do. I don't like being told what to do by my parents, by my wife, by anybody, by God. I don't like it. I don't like being told what to do. But before you write this off and go, I want to do my own thing, let me bring you back to Psalm 23, 1 and 2 and remind you what the shepherd is trying to lead us to. He's trying to lead us to a point where we lack nothing. Anybody interested in that? He's trying to bring us to a a point where we go, man, life feels like a green pasture. I feel like I'm at peace. The shepherd's trying to lead us to a place with quiet waters. A place where we lack nothing. And so I guess maybe I should lay down my desire to be in control all the time. And maybe I should try to let the shepherd lead me. I I was thinking about that even last night as I was writing some final notes. And I just wrote, God's trying to lead me to a place where I lack nothing, where I experience peace and I experience rest. And I just wrote to myself, isn't that what you want, Joel? Isn't that all I'm looking for? Have I given that a shot? Have I given that a shot where I... I go to this and I go, I'm going to try you out. Everything you say about conflicts and relationship, I'm going to try it out. Everything you say about how I'm spending my time, how I'm spending my money, how I'm using my gifts, I'm going to try it out. Because God says, I'm trying to guide you to a place where you experience rest and peace, where you lack nothing. While we're wandering sheep chasing mirages, hoping they will give us life, God wants us to know today that green pastures do not come from what we have. It comes from who we have, and that's the Lord being our shepherd. It doesn't come from where we are, but who we're with, and that's God who's always with us. And, and those two lines right there come as a great encouragement to me because that means that I don't got to go chase a change in my circumstances to experience peace. I don't have to go change everything in my life to experience peace. I don't got to change, you know, where I work or who I'm married to or what house I live in or what city I live in. I don't have to go chase this, wipe it out. I need a whole new life. I don't have to do that because it doesn't come from what we have. It comes from who we have and it doesn't come from where we are, but who we're with. My security and my hope, they're not in my situation. It's in my savior and it's in my shepherd, and the Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. Let me just close with this. Uh, I, 
I was going back and forth whether I was going to share this or not, but I think as I was walking, I was watching some people come in the room, I was like, no, I think I'm going to share that. There's, a, there's this story I heard about Psalm 23 where there's this uh, award-winning Hollywood actor who went to this dinner party in, in Hollywood. And this actor specifically is known for being able to use his voice and use his face and fluctuations and, and theater and drama to really like capture a crowd. Like this guy, he, is, he has owned many rooms with his personality and charisma. And there was a pastor at the party and, the, and, and, and at the party, all these people are asking this guy to, to redo famous lines that he's done in movies or in plays. And, and he's kind of, you know, he's got this circle kind of forming around him. And people are watching him express himself in this way or that way. And the pastor says, hey, will you recite Psalm 23? And the guy goes, well, I'll do it if you do it. The pastor goes, okay, I'll do it too. So the actor steps back and closes his eyes and takes a deep breath and everybody's on pins and needles and he goes for it. He recites Psalm 23 using every trick in the book to, to get the crowd's attention and love and affection. And, and when he says, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, everybody goes crazy. <sighs> Clapping, cheering, woohoo! And he says... Thank you, thank you. And then it's the pastor's turn. And the pastor didn't use any of the tricks, didn't close his eyes or take a deep breath. He just recited Psalm 23 from his heart. And when he said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, there was no applause, but there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Everybody's souls were moved to the point of tears. And then everybody just kind of went back to the party. And somebody else walked up to the actor later in the party and they said, how come when you did it, everybody clapped? And how come when he did it, everybody cried? And the actor said to him, well, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. He really knows the shepherd. And I, and I say that to make one final, kind of just toss this out, chew on it just for a second. This green pasture life, this quiet, streams, green pasture, I lack nothing life, the life that we all could probably agree, like, that sounds nice. That would be nice. It's not, it's not possible. Think about this. It's just not possible if you don't know the shepherd, if you don't know God. When David wrote this, he didn't write, the Lord is a shepherd. He wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. It was personal. It was private. It was intimate. Like David knew God. He wasn't far away, some cosmic being. He goes, the Lord is my shepherd. And I know him. And because I know him, this is what I'm experiencing. And so I want to put the invitation out there to the person who's tired and worn out and overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. 
When I, I'm like, is your life like a green pasture? You go, nope, it feels like I'm climbing a descending escalator. Like, it, when is it ever going to end? If that's you, if you just go, I don't even know if I can keep doing it anymore, just, just consider this. Do you know him? Do you know the shepherd? Have you given your life to the shepherd? I just go, and consider that. Try it out. Because green pastures and quiet streams and a life where you feel like, I like nothing, that's at hand. And it's possible, but not unless the Lord is your shepherd, not just a shepherd. You can't go, well, I just believe in a God. You don't get the green pastures if you just believe in a God. But when you know him, when you know him, the green pastures, the quiet light, the quiet streams, the I lack nothing life, it's actually possible when the Lord is my shepherd. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And after I say amen, a couple people from the band are going to come out and they're going to sing a song about Psalm 23. And it's not really a sing-along song as much as it is for you to just sit and reflect and you got nowhere else to be. And during that time, uh, right at the beginning of that song, there's going to be a couple of questions that are on the screen. And I want you to just take some time just to breathe and be here and not rush out of here and just say, God, do you want to say anything to me today? Let me pray for you before we do that. Lord, I have, I just sense that uh, you are moving, that you are speaking. And as we listen to this song, and as we consider these questions, and as we reflect on Psalm 23, God, would you allow this to be the beginning of a march towards green pastures? I pray that you would help us to know what mirages we're chasing. And I pray that you would help us to see, God, that there might be areas of our lives that we have not completely turned over. And in the next 10 minutes, God, I pray that you would illuminate our hearts, illuminate our minds, help us to see clearly what you need us to know and do. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some prayer people that are going to be in the back as well if you want to pray with somebody. And... Uh, here are the two questions that you can think about, and these guys will sing this song here in just a minute. Thanks for listening. We hope this psalm rings in your head and your heart all week long. To find out more about our church, to attend a service, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com.